0: Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantan.
1: We can think, okay, well listen, I'm watching this thing on TV or this internet site or whatever, but and there's stuff that happens, but like I don't I don't like that. So it doesn't affect me, right? Proverbs says, be very careful what you take in, what you hear, what you see, what you store up in your heart. And be careful to take good things in, to store them up in your heart, to hold fast to wisdom, which for us means really holding fast to the word of God, to hear it, to see it, to hold it in our hearts regularly.
0: Because you don't suffer the consequences of your sinful activities or behaviors right away, does it make it any less sinful and detestable to God? As Pastor Ricky continues his teaching series through Proverbs, he'll be encouraging us to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds, with all our strength. We need to be careful not to allow certain images into our mind. We need to be cautious against playing with sin because sooner or later, it will destroy us. Now, here's Pastor Ricky with part two of his message, The Heart and the Springs of Life.
1: We talk about following our hearts, right? And we're not literally talking about this lub-dub going on inside this organ. What are we talking about? We're talking about our emotions. I feel this. Now, the Hebrew definition of the heart is, involves that, but it's bigger than that. See, in the Hebrew concept, um, the heart was not just the emotions, but the will and the desires. The, the ESV study Bible, which is my favorite study Bible, I think I found my favorite definition of the heart in that study Bible this week, and it's this the heart in Proverbs regularly refers to the, listen, to the center of one's inner life and orientation to God from which a person does all thinking and feeling and choosing, okay? So this is kind of your inner life and relationship with God from which you think and you feel and you act. Now, this is so important because our world often focuses on appearances. How does a person appear from the outside? What do they look like on their Facebook profile? What do they seem like when they come into the office? But Psalm 7, 9 says that God probes our hearts. Now, why does God do that? Why doesn't God just look at at how we're acting and thinking and behaving? Well, he does do that, but he goes deeper because the true person resides in the heart. About three hours outside of El Paso, there is the dusty West Texas town of Marfa. Anybody ever been to Marfa? Come on, Marfa. Um, It is awesome. It's actually really weird, but kind of cool. And on the way there for the last stretch of it, you you drive a two-lane highway. And there is nothing, and I mean nothing, around. And so you're driving this highway, and out of nowhere, if you look to your right on the way to Marfa, you'll see a Prada store. Yes, the Prada, that Prada, a Prada store. The the logo is perfect and there are display windows with fancy handbags in them. But if you stop and get out, you'll discover all there is is a door instead of display windows with nothing behind it. See, our world is so concerned with the display in the front That we often never bother to walk around and see what's going on behind it. Even even when it comes to ourselves, we're so concerned about the way that we come across to others or appear to others, and we often spend little time thinking and, and perceiving our hearts from which everything in our lives flows. So the command is keep your heart or guard your heart. Uh, Bible commentator and scholar Bruce Waltke says that the word here in the original language in the Hebrew refers to a place under guard, a prison, or standing guard. In that sense, it may mean either to keep a sharp lookout to keep someone or something in custody and to restrain it as a prisoner, or my favorite, as a dragon, in the book of Job, or to protect it from an enemy without, as Nehemiah's guard protected Jerusalem. So, so there's this kind of dual nature of, you're, you're guarding it from, out, from the outside, from attackers, but you're also restraining what's inside. You're not just like, oh, heart, what do you want to do today? Because it may not have some great ideas, right? So you restrain, you keep it, you guard it, but you also guard it from outside influences that can come in and corrupt it. Now, um, all of the Bible study guys will go, wait, 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 wait. I thought that Jeremiah and Romans 3 in particular says the heart is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Well, that's true. Our hearts are corrupted by sin. But uh, Dr. Wayne Grudem points out that in the New Testament, we learn that when we trust Christ for salvation, God does a a work in our hearts. He gives us a new heart. He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us. And if you apply this verse in that context, in light of the New Testament, you, you see that God is doing a work in our hearts. The Spirit is at work in them. So we must guard and protect that work. We must, in the words of Galatians, walk by the Spirit. We are to restrain evil in our hearts, but also protect it from outside influence and attack. Why? The verse tells us, because from it flow the springs of life. In other words, what you do in your life flows from your heart. Nobody just wakes up and does something. What you do today and what you did yesterday flow from your heart, the center of who you are and your relationship with God from which you feel and think and act. It starts with the heart. And there's this image of the springs of life. It's this evocative image where this this spring is bubbling up and and goes and then affects and covers everything else in your life, but you must be very careful with the source of that life. Now, recently, we all watched uh, for the last couple of years this crisis in Flint, uh, Michigan, where the residents at first began smelling an odd smell when they turned on the water. And then they noticed that the color was off. And then they, some of, maybe the bold ones noticed that the flavor was off. Now, I don't know why you would then drink it and be like, man, this smells weird and that looks weird, but let me taste that and think, uh, yeah, that's definitely weird, right? Now, although some of them, though, couldn't perceive it. And eventually, high blood, uh, high levels of lead were found in the water. and, And it became a national emergency. And everyone was asking, how could this happen? Well, simply to save money, the city switched from treated water from Lake Huron to water from the Flint River. They changed the source of the water, and, and there was some other things involved with that, but, but the source of the water made all the difference. Here's, here's the point I'm making. We cannot fix what's coming out of our lives without fixing the source of those things, right? It, 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 at one point in the crisis in, in Flint, Michigan, uh, they began to notice some weird stuff, so they started adding some additional chlorine to the water, to try to like fix it, right? And it's and, and similar, and it obviously did not work. And so the thing though that we do is we see this stuff coming out of our lives, right? Maybe in an area like our marriage or our parenting or whatever, and we go, oh man, that's not good. And so we, we go over to the stream and we start like thinking, well, if I had some minerals here and try to shock this and chlorine and fix the pH level, maybe it'll be okay. And, and this proverb points us back and says, no, 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 listen. From the heart flows your life. If you want to fix your life, you have to fix your heart. Paul Tripp has a great illustration of this. He he says this. um, Actually, I need my water bottle. Sorry. Uh, So Paul Tripp uses this illustration where he says, listen. um, What's going on in your life, the circumstances of your life, don't make you react in certain ways. In other words, if we say something like, man, I, I can't be around that person because when I get around them, I just get, ooh, I just get judgy. I just start saying judgy things, you know? But it's just, it's not, it's just her. I mean, it's just like, I get around her and all of a sudden I'm like, nah, you know, like, what, I, just, I have no control over this. And Paul Tripp says this, no, 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 listen, this is what's going on. Um, you have something inside of you, right? And the circumstances of life are are things that come and they tap you a little bit. Now, what comes out is not the problem, right? The problem is what's in the bottle to begin with. And so if you've been cultivating these patterns of, of, of um, self-superiority or selfishness or judgment internally, and you get around that person and all of a sudden, you're like, oh my gosh, I have no idea why these horrible comments are coming out of me. Paul Tripp says, well, you maybe want to check what's in the bottle. That is what's going on. From the heart flows your life. Listen, friends, no one commits adultery because of one day of bad decisions. There was something growing in your heart. No one explodes in anger at the office because of one difficult interaction with a customer or coworker. There was something growing in their heart. No teenager tries drugs or drinking because one day of bad decisions sweep them up into this impossible context where they have no choice. Something was growing in their heart. Nobody goes on a crazy Facebook rant that everyone kind of scrolls past and thinks, oh, wow. Nobody does that without something growing in their heart and it just gets tapped out. So what do we do? First, we need to watch our own hearts and to seek to help others with their hearts. Now, do you, friend, look regularly at the state of your heart? Or do you only look at the external stuff in your life? Now, recently, I got frustrated with my wife, Jen, because she said, listen, I can tell that you're being anxious, but I said, listen, I'm not saying anything anxious. Normally, sometimes my pattern is when I get anxious, I start complaining and getting cynical and, and saying these things. And she goes, well, I can, I can just see it. And then I think, and I, I responded, well, listen, look, I'm not saying anything anxious, okay? Just, just like, give me some space here, lady. And I don't really talk to my wife that way, but for the sake of illustration, but she knew me enough to know that something was going on in my heart. And so many days, listen, I think that about every area of life. I think, listen, as long as I am not like out killing people, does God really care that I have anger in my heart toward this person? And the Lord sees the heart. See, scripture calls our attention, not just the externals of our life, not to the of storefront that we put out for everyone to see, but behind it to see what's going on inside of us. And so friend, let me tell you, You need to keep a guard on your heart. You need to know the state of your heart. And second, you need to apply this to situations in which you help other people. When others ask for your help, do you just only give quick external kind of advice or do you carefully and appropriately try to help folks with their heart? Now, I don't mean just jumping in and be going, like, you know, kind of inserting yourself uninvited and poking around in their heart, but, but maybe you have a close friend and they're struggling with something and they don't know what's going on and maybe you begin to ask them, well, what do you, think, do you think that's coming from? What do you think is going on in your heart that, that's leading you there? And parents, this, listen, this has an implication for us because the father in Proverbs is a wise dad. He, he gives his sons lots of practical advice, but he doesn't neglect their heart. When kids are little, they often don't get concepts like being resentful, right? So we give them categories like don't hit, right? Or obey mom when she talks to you. But as they grow older, more and more of a parent's work is heart work. Now, my kids are little, so I'm not there yet. But from watching guys on our leadership team that do this well, I'm seeing this applied, that the external rules with kids are often necessary, but you can't fix A teenager's heart with external rules, like always be back by 11 p.m., you have to get to a point where you ask, why do you want to be out late so desperately? What is going on that, that, what are you trying to get from those friends that you, that you just are like, hey, I'll do anything to hang out with them? What's going on in your heart? Second, and very briefly, how do you guard your heart? So, that's the majority of this short message, but I just wanna give a couple applications here. How, on a practical basis, can you guard your heart? Well, remember the dual nature of guarding your heart. First, you, you guard it, uh, you guard your heart from evil that may be kind of happening there. You, you keep it under lock, this, this part of your heart that desires to sin, the, the, as Paul would say, the old man. But second, you guard what what happens in there from external influence as well. So uh, I'm just gonna say this in two, two real simple ways. Watch what you take in and direct what flows out. Watch what you take in and direct what flows out. Watch what you take in. That's in verses 20 through 22. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight, but keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their Flesh. See, the father wants the son to, to incline his, his heart by inclining his ear to watch what he sees, to, to consider what he's storing in his heart. Romans 13.3 says, we are to make no provision for the flesh or for our sinful nature. In other words, don't give your flesh and your sin lots of supplies so they can destroy your life. Case in point, it's crazy to cruise around internet sites where girls are wearing little clothing and listen to music objectifying women and then pray, Lord, please help me to not lust when I'm out in public, right? You're you're, you're taking in through your ears, through your eyes, this stuff that's making provision for the flesh. It's strengthening it. And this dad in Proverbs says, guard your heart. Be careful what you take in. My friend, Josh, used, uh, who's a pastor, used this illustration of telling your friend that you're on a diet, uh, or a no, friend tells you that they're on a diet, and yet while they're hanging out with you, they pull out a giant chocolate cake and begin eating it in front of you. And you say, well, I, listen, hey man, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna get into like the details of your diet unless you want me to, but it doesn't seem like the chocolate cake is really meeting the goals that you just laid out for me. On the kitchen table. I mean, what, what's going on with that? And they say, Oh, don't worry about it. I don't like chocolate cake. And you're like, Well, what, what, why does that matter? And they say, Well, the calorie doesn't count if you don't enjoy it, right? Isn't that how it works? And you go, No, nah, I, I don't, right? And I, I'm watching this. What Josh is pointing out is what happens as Christians is we can, we can think, okay, well, listen, I, I'm watching this thing on TV or this internet site or whatever, but, and there's stuff that happens, but like I don't, I don't like that, so it doesn't affect me, right? Proverbs says, be very careful what you take in, what you hear, what you see, what you store up in your heart. And be careful to take good things in, to store them up in your heart, to hold fast to wisdom, which for us means really holding fast to the word of God, to hear it, to see it, to hold it in our hearts regularly. I was listening to a talk by Dr. Wayne Grudem, who has been a faithful theologian for many years, and he's read and taught the Bible for decades. And I love this illustration because he's just so honest. He said that he went through a period where he was working a lot, on the Bible, okay? He was at this big scholars conference. He's working all the time. And so he began not to spend time in Bible reading or prayer and he started to notice some bad patterns in his life. And so he just began to write down what he was observing. This is his list, which he shares with us. Pride, talking about myself a lot, often inwardly hoping people will praise me, lack of love for friends, irritability, Relationships with friends just stall or put on hold. General general inward feeling of unease, unsettledness. Hard to concentrate on scripture and prayer. Self-reliance, no peace. And I love that list because it's so honest, right? He just, he's saying really simply, listen, when I don't read the Bible, when I don't spend time with the Lord, this is what goes on in my heart. We got to be careful what we take in, but we're also to be careful what flows out. Verse 24 says, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and let your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. And so there's this, this, this emphasis on being careful what you take in, but then just doing it, like just choosing to obey. I love, I love the simplicity of this because it's not as though, okay, just taking all this stuff and then automatically you'll just drift into purity, right? Just, just be born along into like patience. There's, a, there's an element in which we have to go, okay, uh, I, I wanna, wanna pursue purity. I wanna cut off, I wanna starve things that, that would cultivate sin in my heart. I wanna cultivate purity, read the scriptures. And then in that moment, I have to direct my feet. Feet, don't go over there, go over here, right? I love that, direct your steps. And so together, this comes into a paradigm. So maybe if there's an area in your life, you could apply it right now to this simple series of questions. What do you need to starve that you are taking in right now? What do you need to put away that you're taking in regularly? What do you need to feed in your life? What what areas of godliness do you need to cultivate and feed? And then what in that moment do you need to put off? What path should you not walk down? And what path should you walk down? And apply that paradigm. I think I'll I'll put those questions up on the the blog this week if you guys want to spend some time with those. But I want to end right here before we transition and hear from Murray, I want to end right here with this crucial last note. All we can do on our own, apart from God, is to try to fix the water that's already on its way down the mountain. All we can do is try to add drops of chlorine or balance the pH. We have no power ultimately to get to the source in our hearts and change it. But we have hope that something new can flow out of our lives because of Jesus. Ray Ortland says this, life does not flow from the outside in, it flows from the inside out. We need our hearts continually filled with the ever fresh life of Christ by faith in the gospel. I think Jesus had this verse in mind when he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as, scriptures has said, as a scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. We will not lose our way on the journey of life if we keep coming to Jesus and drinking in his acceptance, his forgiveness, his promises, his love. Everything else f- flows from the deep in there. Friend, the good news of Jesus is not that we try to self-purify our own corrupt spring. It's that Jesus came and that he bore the penalty for our sins by dying on the cross. But Jesus goes further. By faith, when we are united with Christ, we have access then to rivers of living water. And so, friend, if you're not a Christian, rather than trying to drop chlorine droplets into the springs of your life, Change the source of your life. Today, Jesus says, "If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink.
0: Open God oh my soul He is strong,
1: strong Open God He's a rock
0: you in place He's a mighty fortress. Knowledge is acquiring facts and information about a given subject wisdom is the proper application of facts and information you know it's one thing to know about something it's a whole other thing to be able to properly utilize that thing we all want wisdom wisdom is this wonderful gift that allows us to carefully and safely navigate through this life in this eight-part series entitled wisdom for life pastor ricky will explore what the book of proverbs has to say about wisdom For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. Again, that email address is radio at betternewsradio.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, our phone number is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information driving directions to the church and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. We also encourage you to follow the Better News Radio Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook, again, at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio.